各位，大家你好。This is Lily Pabian. Hola a todos. This is Natalia Garzon. Welcome to Voices of a Highway, a podcast for, with, and about the incredible people that make up Buford Highway, a multicultural community in Atlanta, Georgia. May is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, a space to honor, reflect. Respect and learn about Asian Americans through real voices to understand our histories and contributions to our nation, state, and the city of Atlanta. Our guest today is Tina Tsai, who runs a fabulous foodie content business called Oh Snap, Let's Eat. Welcome, Tina. Hi there. Super excited to be here. Thank you so much, Tina. So, tell us a little bit about where you grew up. A little bit of your family's immigrant journey and how you got to Atlanta. Sure. So、um, I was actually born in Taiwan, and then、um, my mom and I moved here when I was four for the first time. And、um, at the time, my mom was actually the last of her siblings to move to the states. And one of my aunts lived in Detroit, and I think at the time, two of her other siblings lived in Atlanta. And so we visited both. We went to Detroit. We went to Atlanta, and As you probably know, Taiwan is like a very warm climate, and so when we visited Detroit, we we're like, okay, that's too cold. <laughs> so we picked Atlanta to live in.、Um, and、uh, actually, since my mom's profession is、um, she's a she's a painter, she's an artist, and she did、uh, just Chinese watercolor at the time, but、um, now she also does like oil painting and other stuff. But because of that, we actually traveled back and forth from Taiwan and、uh, the states for a really long time, like half the year here, half the year there, and I think that continued until about third grade, from what I remember. And we basically had to settle down because you can't you can't really go to school like. Half the year in Taiwan and then half the year in the states. That's not. That's not really how it works. So、um, anyway, so then I grew up in the suburbs of Atlanta since third grade, and、um, you know it was it was pretty interesting.、Um, it wasn't super. I think like back then there weren't as many Asian people around, and so I just felt like you know、um, I didn't speak English very well. I looked different, and so you know occasionally get. Little comments here and there, but you know, it was、uh, that's how we got here. And、um, was it just you? It was just you and your mom. It was. I have actually two other siblings, but、um, they were in Taiwan at the time. Very interesting. So, tell me a little bit about like your childhood. I mean, I know that you gave us a little bit of the idea of you going back and forth between Taiwan and and here,、um, but you know, where did you guys grow up? I went to initially. I was in like Lowburn area. And、um, so I went to Nesbitt Elementary School, and then I went to Richard Hall Middle School. I moved, and then I went to Duluth High School. And、um, you know, it was growing up here was fun.、Um, it, other than the, you know, when I was saying like there wasn't that many Asians around, so it was actually really fun to go to、um, on Saturdays. I would go to CCC. You know, it was a Chinese culture school or a Chinese culture center, and、uh, for Chinese school every Saturday, right? And that is like the place to be if you are like if you're like Chinese or Taiwanese, because、um, that's where you made like your friends that are like that were like you basically. And I took、um, 
like I love going there because of my friends that I made there, but also I did things like extracurricular classes, like dance, Chinese traditional dancing, and I played like the Chinese zither, um, guzhen, right? Guzhen. Just like yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> so like, and I'm pretty sure that's actually how uh, your mom and my mom met too. Was I think they were in like a singing club or something together. Yeah, I think so. Our, you know, I have some pictures that I've been wanting to share with you, um, and we could tell our listeners a little bit of our our history. Our mothers uh, were best friends, and they were a part of this group of women, and they were mostly single women, right? <laughs> you know, I I think now that you mentioned that that there were a lot. <laughs> I think yeah. it wasn't only, but yeah, now that you mention it, <laughs> and so there was this sort of sisterhood that was created and I remember you we you were like our little sister and um my mom was always saying you know like I and I do remember Tina you were in all of the social the social volunteer work and all of the things that our our mothers were involved with we were always there to watch and uh, well they dragged us to it <laughs> they did they you really didn't get the really option. there was no option so um Tell me a little bit about, you know, like you said you, you learned English here. You didn't, you, so your first language was uh, uh, Chinese at home, right? Yeah, so, Mandarin Chinese. How was that? Like, do you remember, like, how hard that was for you? It, it was hard because, um, it was hard at yes and no. Because, you know, as a younger child, like the younger you are, I think you catch up to languages faster. Right. And so like right now, if you were trying to teach me a second, like a third language, I would not be able to grasp it at all. But back then, you know, I was young and I could grasp it pretty easily. But, you know, there's just certain things even today I might actually pronounce wrong. And people like don't realize that I that English is technically my second language. And so, um, you know, it just it was a struggle. I was in uh, English like ESL for a while, um, I think throughout elementary school and then I maybe stopped in fourth grade or something and um that's just like that special class you got to go to to learn your English and you know your your non-Asian friends are like oh why don't you get to go to the special class but <laughs> so but anyway it was very helpful though I mean obviously grasped it because I was living in it you know hearing it all the time but it would probably be very very difficult if I wasn't did you feel like ESL helped you um, I did, um, but probably the most that helped was actually just having to speak it, like being, you know, dropped in here, everyone you're talking to is speaking English to you, and you need to know, <laughs> you just, you're just being forced to learn, basically. Yeah, we, we've been having some discussions about that in our advocacy groups about, you know, the, the question of ESL, you know, it, does it, is it really helpful? helping to pull kids out and how long do you keep them out is it a form of like you know separating as well you know I think um, when you're fully immersed in it and integrated then you you know you ha like you said it's like you just learn it, mm -hmm. it, it, it comes you know as, as especially as children right so um, can you share a memory that you have of Buford Highway and why do you think it is such a special place for Asian uh, American Pacific Islander and immigrant communities? Sure, yeah. So when I was um, little, as I just mentioned, we were doing Saturday Chinese school at um, CCC or Chinatown, whatever you want to call it. And, um, and I was like enrolled in all these different classes that like really 
was awesome because it really like connected me to my roots because it was like traditional Chinese dancing. You wouldn't, you weren't able to get that anywhere else and stuff. Um, and every, I think every year there was a giant um, Chinese New Year festival at CCC. And it is like a big deal. Like you can't even find parking really, but everyone, like all the Chinese and Taiwanese, and now it's so big. It's like, it's not just those people. It's like more ethnicities and, you know, everyone goes to check it out now, goes to this uh, Chinese New Year festival. There's like all this delicious, authentic foods you can get that you normally might not be able to find. And there's performances and all that. And I just remember when, because I was enrolled in like the um, dancing classes, I would always have to perform at um, these like Chinese New Year uh, performances and do like, you know, traditional dancing, like ribbon dancing and uh, like thousand hand or whatever it was called. And because I was there, and there wasn't that many of us, like there were probably like two or three teachers that taught these things. And we were being like asked to perform at all the Chinese New Year's activities. And I just remember this like one year, there was so many scheduled that we were like performance hopping, like from one place to another, we would start at CCC and then we would like go down the road um, to a, like a big Chinese restaurant that had a stage. And then after that, we got to go to another like theater and perform the same dance. And it was just like, packed the entire weekend with performances and i was just thinking wow like that wouldn't that would only happen on buford highway right <laughs> well you know and you really raise a good question i i've actually been feeling like this and i don't know if you have or you you know have in your life but we are sort of used in some way right to represent uh represents you know whether we're representing chinese or taiwanese or asians and you almost become like this poster child where you're, you, you know, and, you know, as a kid, you don't really, I mean, I didn't really think about it, you know, like um, my mother would have friends that have events or whatever, and they asked us to, you know, whatever, show up, wear a T-ball or something. Um, and as I get older, I'm kind of, you know, it's just really hard sometimes because we are not uh representative of, of all asians and all taiwanese you know we are very individual the reason why i like to bring all this together and talk about it is our commonalities is really this immigrant journey you know um seeing our parents give up a piece of their home to to be these sort of you know pioneers to come here and set up life it's not easy um mm -hmm. but th they did it so uh but I just remember a lot of good times with, with you and uh, your mother. And um, talk to a little bit about your mother's art, because I know that this is not, not about your mom, but I also wanted everybody to kind of get an idea of your mom's training. And, and you know, and, and she lives here, you know, for, she's lived here for a long time. Yeah. So she, you know, started um, painting in uh, Taiwan. And so probably has been, oof, I don't know, six, 50 years now or something of painting. And she started with studying um, with uh, the traditional Chinese watercolor painting. Um, and then she, when she moved here, I guess that would have been 30 something years ago. Um, then she actually was, uh, she started learning oil painting and everything else like pastel, like she's, she just loves art. Right. So she, she learns everything that she can. And then she, uh, it's, it's her passion. Right. And so, um, that's just kind of, she did, she taught lessons here. 
And she also, and that's actually um, a lot of the Asian Chinese community actually knows her as um, Wei Laosi because she was uh, the teacher, the art teacher. So she would teach um, ki kids and adults of all ages, really, uh, traditional Chinese watercolor and also just art like pastel and everything else too. Does she have a favorite like uh, type of, is it nature settings or is it people? What is your mother's sort of forte or her niche? Um, actually it's her most, I think well-known is actually the lotuses. And oh. um, yeah, lotuses. And then she also does uh, mudan. I think that's called tree peony in English. See how I don't know some words in English? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I love peonies. Peonies are yeah. so beautiful. How do you say it in Chinese again? Mudan. Mudan, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so cool. I think you and I have like the same, like some words we know in English and not Chinese and some words we know in Chinese and not English. <laughs> yes, yes. I, and, and it's interesting because, you know, my Chinese is not that great. You know, I mean, I, I've not, I was, I also went to uh, learn in Chinese school and I was not a very good student. <laughs> I cried every Saturday before we went. <laughs> but we did it not so much. We did a little bit at CCC, but we, because I'm older than you are, and um, we did it at the, the first, there was a church uh, in North Druid Hills. And then there was another church out near uh, East Ponce de Leon, or like near the uh, DeKalb Farmer's Market. Do you remember that? Uh, there was a church there that also taught it before oh. it got to CCC. Is that the ACCC? I think there's a um, Christian church. Yes, Chinese. yes. It's Atlanta, I think it stands for Atlanta Chinese Christian Church or something yes, like that. Yes, I, I do yes. remember it, but that was, that was probably the original. I mean, you know, for us. Yeah, yeah. that's where we learned and... and um, all of the aunties, you know, we, we, we yeah. met through as teachers there. And um, anyway, I just think it's so cool that our, our mothers are actually, they're still friends. They still mm -hmm. actually speak quite often to each other um, just to connect. So tell us about Oh Snap, Let's Eat. Um, how did you get started? Was there a particular moment that inspired you? Um, and where do you want to go with this? So Oh Snap Let's Eat is a website I started in 2013, and it basically features a lot of um, recipes such as like Asian recipes. There's, you know, Chinese and Taiwanese food, and there's actually also some like low carb and paleo recipes because at one point I was eating more paleo. And um, it's kind of interesting how it got started because I actually just started this random blog at one point that wasn't even about food. It was meant just to be anything that I felt like talking about. <laughs> I guess in um, Chinese and Taiwanese culture, food is like super important to us, right? It like brings family and friends together. Every celebration is really about food, right? And so that along with like my mom, uh, so uh, you actually mentioned this earlier too, she kind of raised me as a single parent here in the States. And so, and also as an artist, which, you know, that was a struggle. I don't know how she did it. I don't think I would have been able to do that. <laughs> but she still managed to prepare like homemade dinners, you know, meals for me. And I just, I, you know, that's how I learned how to cook. And I have like a very, my passion is food. <laughs> Hers was art, mine's food. <laughs> and so I learned how to cook like just the authentic dishes and almost in like a simplified manner because you you know, if you Google like some authentic Asian dishes online, sometimes they call for like 20 ingredients and like ain't nobody got time for that. 
<laughs> so I, yeah, so I really appreciate having a like simplified version of a lot of these recipes. And so um, basically I just realized that, hey, all I'm writing about is food basically at this point. So I should probably just get a new name for the site because it wasn't called Osnapolisi that, at that point and then just talk about food. <laughs> and that's kind of how it got, got started. Well, I'm a huge fan. My sister's a huge fan as well. And um, Leah was the one who's t who introduced me. She said, hey, Tina's daughter's, or she says, oh, wait, daughter's doing this, you know. Oh. And um, But what I love is some of the dishes because what you hit the nail for me is how it, it is about home cooking. And a lot of people, you know, unlike what people think, you know, we, we ate Chinese food every single day. <laughs> part of us mm -hmm. and um, but it's home-cooked meals it's simple but so good and so nostalgic to our childhood too one of my favorite dishes is sambeji and mm. I saw that you had made a version of it and it's three cup chicken yep. and when I grew up you know before my parents divorced I remember my father chicken back then was very cheap growing up and so that was the protein of choice and uh, we have one chicken, like a mixed cut, you know, package, whatever. And you'd come up with like 70 different ways to make this chicken to, to keep it, you know, not so boring. <laughs> but, you know, my dad would make orange chicken, three, you know, what? but the first time I had three cup chicken, it was my mother who made it. And I had no idea, like, but that was one of those dishes that made me really fall in love with cooking. Just the idea of it, you know, the, the technique and, and the flavors and stuff. What is your favorite dish that you think of as home that your mom made? Oh my gosh, I cannot. I like literally cannot pick one. I mean, I'll tell you some of the usual ones that we make almost like on a weekly basis. <laughs> but uh, like Taiwanese like red braised beef, because after you make the beef, you eat it as an entree, like the first day, like uh, the entree, you know, when, when I say Lu entree, Lu you know how Ma, we eat it. Are you saying Luro? Yeah, oh, nyo nyo well, like hongsao nyo ro. Right? Oh, hongsao nyo ro. Yes, yeah, yes. Because the first day we cook it and we eat it with rice and with like vegetables. But the next day we always make Taiwanese beef noodle soup with it. And so you get like multiple meals out of this like one thing. And like beef noodle soup is like such comfort food for me, you know, or any really noodle soups. Um, and so that's like one we make all the time. We make um, like uh, hongsao ro, like the red braised like pork belly. You know, that one very often, too. Um, and then there's just a lot of side dishes that we continuously make, stir-fried cabbage. Um, you know, we were saying that uh, there's so many things that just kind of scream like home or whatever. But one of the things I think is um, interesting is like tomato and egg stir-fry. Like, for some reason, that is like everyone makes this. <laughs> yeah, that's almost like a quintess. That's like classic Taiwanese dish, home cooked, and uh, we do it with the radish, you know, like the um, um, what do you call it? Is it like pickled? Yeah, it's like pickled radish crunchy. and um, mm -hmm. really crunchy, and it's in those packages that last forever. It'd be in your refrigerator for like we always had a drawer. I don't know if you had this drawer in your in your kitchen or your refrigerator growing up, but it was all the Chinese herbs like ginseng and goji berries and the dates, and then it had all these radishes and dried mm -hmm. shrimp. That was the drawer that it was. We used to call it the my mom's drawer. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, no, we. I think that's very, very, very common with uh, Asian cooking, really, and pantry too. You know, all the spices, like all the Szechuan peppercorns, and just the dried peppers and everything else. Yeah, those are such the such classic 
um, home memories, you know, of growing up. So how can our audiences support your uh, OSNAP? Do you have a webpage? I know you have a webpage. Are you on social media, things like that? Yeah, I mean, um, I think that like in terms of supporting, it's really like, let me help you because I've got the recipes, right? So if they, you know, if you check out the website, the URL is osnapletseat.com and check out the recipes and try them and hopefully you can find something delicious and you enjoy it. But um, I am on social media. You can follow um, on Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm on all of them really. <laughs> Eventually I'm thinking about maybe putting together a cookbook too. And so if I ever get to that, check that out also because uh, hopefully yeah. I can help yeah, cook some delicious homemade Asian food yeah yeah absolutely please keep us posted on that and you know as you and I are talking about food it'd be so cool for us to do some sort of live demo together with we love Buford Highway and uh, oh snap let's eat and yeah. come up with just a fun cooking session you know there's so much storytelling that comes with it another another recipe is uh, what is it Jitsen you know the gizzard with oh the yeah 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 you remember yeah. this um Yes. Yeah. It's so funny that there's just so many foods out there that you can eat. Yeah. And like, like gizzards. Like I, I actually eat that pretty calm, like all the, not all the time, but it's not rare that it's, uh, something that we do eat. And I never even think like, oh, that's so strange. But the second you mention, it, I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We do eat chicken gizzards and lizard and livers and things like that. But you know, it's, it's, it's the parts you don't waste. We don't waste anything, you know, but mm -hmm. what came out of it was just amazing recipes. And, uh, like I said, you know, my mother makes the best. Well, I think of course her, her chicken gizzards are so delicious. And, you know, I keep trying to get her now to share her recipes with me because she really didn't share it. I just watched her. And now that mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, a grown up, I, I don't, I don't get to watch her as often. So I think that that's something really important to do. Uh, do you get to, do you see a lot of your mom these days? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Um, okay. Yeah. I hang out with her every week and um, you know, I wanted to mention something cause she brought up a good point. You said that you, you know, your mom never really got to like share a recipe with you and everything. I feel like it's like a known thing that like Asian parents and maybe it's just Chinese and Taiwanese parents do not tell you how much to add anything. They're just like, do what feels right. <laughs> As they pour like a random yeah. amount. Well, yeah, like I would say, mom, can you give me a measurement? And you know, I don't cook that way either anymore. Maybe because I watched her uh, and I, f I hear my children asking me for recipe or my friends. And I'm like, I don't know, just do a dash. <laughs> what feels right to you, you know, but you're exactly right. They, it's almost like they want to, they don't want to give too much of it away. <laughs> Uh-oh, I'm giving away secrets over here on my too website. Too many secrets. I'm just kidding. They want us to go to their home and their dinner table and say, mm. Mom, this is the best, you know, because food is love for them. So what is the one thing that you would like people to know about being Asian American in Atlanta? Well, I definitely think that Atlanta has um, progressed a lot in the past like couple of decades. And so being a, an Asian American Atlanta today is very different than, um, you know, when I was when you and I were little. Um, I think that there's actually a very strong community here now. Um, for example, we love Bu High. <laughs> and I would recommend if someone uh, is Asian American and thinking about, you know, moving or visiting Atlanta that they, they do. Community here is awesome. 
Yeah, very much so. Talking a little bit about, you know, the same along the lines of Beaufort Highway and Atlanta and, and this sort of second Chinatown that's happening in Duluth. Because oftentimes I find myself there because it's a certain more affordable that I can get or whatever. What do you feel about having a second Chinatown? Because Beaufort Highway has changed a lot. There seems to be this movement into Gwinnett and, and into those places. Why do you think that's happening? It's funny you ask me this question because I, I grew up in Duluth. And when I was little, it was not, it wasn't like this. It was not Asian at all. <laughs> and I, I had no idea how it turned this way. I... I have to say people probably uh, just started moving north. You know, everything is moving more north. Like a lot of people are now moving to Cumming. For example, Cumming's growing a lot in Alpharetta and everything. And that could be why. And I'm not sure if it's actually because, and you will probably know this more than I do, maybe there's just too much uh, already a lot going on in Beaufort Highway. And so we'll spread yeah. good food spreads and yeah. <laughs> then you establish businesses near that, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, but we still love Beaufort Highway. It's still sort of mm-hmm. the mothership. And I, I think it still builds that credibility, right, of certainly from a market perspective of a market entry point, right? Like I remember not having boba tea anywhere the first time. I had it 15 years before it hit Atlanta's market and that, you know, was in New York. But when they first had it in Atlanta, that's when I thought, oh, okay, it's, it's making its way to the South. So Buford Highway and, 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 you know, being seven miles north of Atlanta has always been that place where things kind of get started, right? So what is something you have been loving recently? And this is a question we asked, it's the last question we asked of all of our uh, interviews and it could be anything. We just want to know what the trends are with our people. Yeah, I very hard for me to answer that one because I have so many random interests, right? That's how I started the blog in general. And uh, but I, I think at the end of the day, I'm always thinking about food. <laughs> so, um, and steak, steak is my favorite food ever. But recently, I have been like just craving seafood and a specific type of seafood. I've been craving a lot of like Cajun, like New Orleans type seafood and um, Dungeness crab. Man, the crab meat is so tender and like shrimp with the heads on, which, you know, I, that might not be super common for everyone, but like definitely in, you know, Chinese and Taiwanese, Asian food, that's probably more common. But with the heads on, the shrimp meat is just even more tender, I feel. And anyway, it's just something that I've been um, craving a lot lately and eating a lot lately. <laughs> Have you tried shaking shaking uh, that that restaurant in um, Doraville? Shaking crab. I have not. Is that what yeah. it is? It used to be the the old 101 Cafe 101 that restaurant, and now it's oh. like and it, it is Fujian. He's he's a Chinese uh, owner, oh. but um, the food is is New Orleans like a Cajun crawfish. You know the crawfish. Mm-hmm. So it's it's supposed to be very good. And my sister actually uh, got chowder. She said it was amazing. Is very mm. very good. So you should definitely check it out. I oh goodness, yeah. Well, <laughs> Tina, we are definitely going to follow you on Oh Snap, Let's Eat. Um, I hope you get that book together because your recipes are amazing. I love it. I'd love to collaborate. Um, thank you so much, Tina, for joining us today. Thank you, listeners from the Voices of a Highway. Until the next story, love Buford Highway. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Voices of a Highway. It was a pleasure sharing these stories with you today. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and share our podcast too with your friends and family. 
If you'd like to stay up to date with our work, follow us at We Love Buhai on all social media platforms. And if you'd like to further support our oral history and arts and culture programs, please consider donating at welovebuhai.org slash donate. Gracias.